All right, this is Alphabunga Bunga. Uh, we do plenty of Alphabung on the show, and today is a lot more about Bunga Bunga. So, benvenuti a tutti. Uh, we are talking today about Loro, which is uh, Paolo Sorrentino's film, which came out in 2018, which uh, whose main protagonist is our, our sort of patron saint, our evil patron saint, Silvio Berlusconi. Uh, we don't do enough culture stuff on uh, Alpha Bunga Bunga, and we'd like to do more. So this is one step in correcting that. So today we're going to talk about this film. We're going to unpick um, both the, 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 the form and the content. And we're going to uh, tell you a little bit first about who Paolo Sorrentino is. If you're not familiar with the director, um, he previously directed Il Divo, which is one, which is uh, also about uh, a great figure of Italian politics. But uh, this one kind of relating to the 70s and 80s rather than to the 90s and 2000s, as Berlusconi does. Uh, you might also have seen La Grande Bellezza. Uh, which came out a couple of years back, Youth, which was actually in English and is one of his worst films, but, you know, hey-ho. And uh, and now, very much uh, in typical Sorrentino style, uh, Loro is uh, is this kind of very grand uh, and decadent portrait of uh, of Berlusconi and his uh, entourage and harem of, of women and so on. So, hence the bunga bunga bit. Uh, all right, guys. So uh, thoughts about... Oh, and, and Phil actually reminding me that uh, The Young Pope, the series with Jude Law... Uh, is his as well, and that's also very much in his uh, his very particular style. Um, also really worth watching, and maybe we should do a whole episode on The Young Pope, because it's like one of those series which, after watching, I'm still tussling over and trying to figure out what it, the fuck it was about, and, and in a kind of good way, actually. So, uh, Loro, uh, thoughts about the film? Uh, George, first of all, kick us off. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It's one of these completely imperfect um doesn't really hold together mood board style um style films i was i was quite shocked at how little alan hansen is in it i would have thought he would have been a, a much oh, more i can't believe you've done this character the worst thing about you saying that is now i'm gonna have to explain to listeners what that joke <laughs> is about which just will make it that much Sorry. worse it's don't don't, don't okay don't, don't don't explain it people will get no, the Loro connection to, I, will will get it and those who don't which is most of you uh you can live happily in that no bit you, of you need to you need to explain it alex because i don't get it either well the no is no um but that no more more seriously i i was um it was a very enjoyable experience to go to the cinema and watch the so the the, the uk version of this was was cut down from the two original um uh, parts of the italian um version so it's it 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 doesn't really have a coherent or interesting narrative but it's it's an incredibly compelling portrait of this um of this figure and i think it for that reason it's 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 gripping and he's a great stylist sorrentino everything that he does young pope included um is more about the 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 sub the the form and the, the surface than the substance which i think is is a good route into perhaps some of the um or is is a good uh, medium through which to, to capture berlusconi yeah and it, it's worth saying that the film takes place it starts with berlusconi in uh, 2006 as he's out of power um and is worried about spending five years out of power um and uh, the plot is loosely based around him plotting his way of getting the government to to, to collapse so he can return uh, to Italian politics and uh, at the same time uh, some sort of outsider figure trying to 
get use his harem of women to get into uh, Berlusconi's good graces, who, who's like the I guess the, uh, I think so mostly fictitious figure, but that kind of ties the story together, and that's more or less as much plot as you're actually provided. But uh, Phil, it it doesn't really suffer be- because of a lack of plot, precisely because of this mood that it tries to portray, right? No, I agree, and um, I just really encourage everyone to watch it. It's tremendously captivating, and the way in which it creates the mood of, um, I suppose, that era in in Italy, in Italian society, of a certain layer of Italian society, and what was appealing, I suppose, about, um, about some of Berlusconi's charisma and image as well. And it's worth watching, and it's worth watching for the party scenes, which are kind of fantastically compelling and um, well portrayed. But also, it's I think um, it's not just kind of uh, fantastic style and uh, remarkable images and the rest of it. I think it also does give um, a genuine insight into into Berlusconi's political appeal and also into him, into his political or public persona. And that's remarkable, I think, the way it does that. So the person who plays Berlusconi, Tony Servillo, who is also in um, La Grande Bellezza and also in Il Divo, he remarkably kind of inhabits the character of Berlusconi. And I don't know, I mean, I found his um, the kind of prosthetics a bit overwhelming, I guess, initially. Um, but suddenly, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of you know, plastic gradually... face. It's a lot of plastic face, yeah. which is appropriate. Sorry, are you talking you about, kind of... You're talking about the actual Berlusconi or Sevilla's portrayal? Because I think it's, it becomes, it's quite ironic. It becomes compelling. No, I, it's quite ironic to say, here is, here is somebody with too plastic a face for somebody who notoriously has a very well, plastic face. Maybe it was even, or who knows, maybe it was even a conscious decision. Um, but it's also, I mean, so Tony Servillo now has done two kind of, as Alex mentioned in the startup, two, um, two kind of great portrayals of two um, vital, important figures in Italian politics um, uh, over the last 50 years. Uh, in Il Divo, he did Giulio Andriotti, who was the, um, the kind of... Uh, central figure in the christian democrats and was um italian prime minister so many times and one of the you know the major power brokers of italian politics in the post-war era and he portrays him in the years of lead around the kidnapping of aldo moro in il divo Mm -hmm. but then also can also portrays berlusconi in the so-called second republic um in this era and so i think both you know kind of both um both are incredible um insights into Italian politics and into those particular political characters um, within the films as well. Yeah, I thought actually to compare to Il Divo, who maybe lis- uh, who listeners might have seen, I don't, I, or, or, and I'll make reference to another film, which also uh, of Sorrentino's you might have seen, but Il Divo, uh, you know, Andrea in that, as a figure who's constantly in the shadows, as a, ma- a major power broker, as Phil says, he's either in government or plotting to come back into government. I think that film is a lot, I mean, just in terms of its palette and everything, much darker with like lush reds and things. Mm. This film look, the, the Loro, which we're discussing now, looks a lot more like La Grande Bellezza, which is filled with uh, really decadent party scenes. And it's a little bit, is more brightly lit. A lot of it is filmed um, or set in uh, Berlusconi's Sardinian villa. And I don't know, maybe that fits a little bit the, the kind of shiny glitziness of 2000s Italy with Italy trying to be modern and, and escape its kind of old past and this is supposed to be a new corporate driven sort of politics I think kind of it, it kind of fits in that regard the, the music's important to the film as well I think there's 
an element to which some parts of it are basically like a music video yeah. the music the soundtrack which you can go on to spotify and 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 check out um it really does have that that extremely surface um glamour and the you know every, every there's a couple of of, of scenes at one one you know phil mentioned this earlier the party scenes which they are surprisingly empty at the same time as be as looking sort of maybe a little bit fun yeah. um but yeah there's there's a, a one really great um shot where the all these um ecstasy pills are raining down and it looks like yeah, it's you an know, amazing it's an amazing scene everybody's kind of having a great time but they're not enjoying it <laughs> um and I think, yeah, it's no. It, I disagree. I think, I think they are. I think so because there's two party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two party scenes, and the contrast is important. So you have the um, you have the party scenes in the protagonist, who's so the protagonist in the film. The only plot is the protagonist in the film rents a villa where he hosts these massive parties outside of Berlusconi's palace, and he's trying to attract Berlusconi's attention with all the women having a great time. So there's a contrast between the parties in the villa and then the party that Berlusconi himself has. And I think the parties in the villa are, um, you know, the the way in which it's portrayed is tremendously kind of, um, it's hugely compelling and um, hedonistic and completely absorbing. And I don't think, I'm not sure that it's empty. I mean, I think the um, the... The Bunga Bunga party that actually happens then in the grounds of Berlusconi's, um, in the grounds of Berlusconi's villa, in the grounds of Berlusconi's palace afterwards, once he's been, you know, his attention has been caught by all the glamorous, beautiful women, that's much more empty. And there's this incredible scene where um, he tries to make, I'm not giving anything away because, uh, like, like we said, no plot. He makes a pass at one of the dancers, one of the women who's been invited to his um, Bunga Bunga party. And she rejects him because she tells him that he reminds her of of her gra- of her grandfather, and it's this incredibly kind <laughs> his of his breath uh, smells like her grandfather's breath. Yeah, that's right. And it turns out later, Berlusconi admits once she's gone, he's explaining to a friend that it turns out that they must have the same type of um, of gl- denture denture um, fixtures, whatever it's called, denture glue or whatever it is you put in your mouth to. I don't know, uh, George. Do you use that? You might know what it is. I don't know what it's called. It's just called denture glue. It's not a yeah. I mean, but my my point after would all be, the meth, George. <laughs> <laughs> that's behind me. That's you know, I I got clean, started podcasting. You know, made 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 my amends, all that sort of thing. But no, I would say even the even the other party that you that you seem enthralled to um, was was quite was quite empty. But um, no, I think I think throughout the whole film there is there's definitely a glamorization of of this this party lifestyle that's it's very um it's very equivocal um and i think it's a bit like wolf of wall street in in a number of ways where you have this you know obviously an extremely talented director who's able to show these things in a very visually arresting way and it is compelling when you're in the cinema but the um it's quite close to to or the, or the line between i guess satirizing the misogyny there and glamorizing it deliberately um very very carefully tread or it's just, <laughs> maybe that line isn't even even there um so i mean and and that is i think that's part of the the appeal of the whole the whole film that it really it isn't clear what you're supposed to feel as the as the viewer are you supposed to be like oh that would be amazing to be there that would be great 
we were like, oh, actually, I'm probably better off not not being a part of that. That well, doesn't so, seem wholesome in any way at all. So I, I wanted to get onto this, actually, because I found, I've made this point before, but yeah, I mean, a lot of cultural criticism today is unbelievably boneheadedly literal uh and there's just no understanding of symbolism and and just complete reading off surface appearances and you know can imagine one of those types of film reviewers watching this and going oh my god this is glamorizes misogyny which you know i i think there there is uh i'm more in agreement with you george that there is a uh, it looks at it a little bit darkly, right, in the portrayal of these parties, because the 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 joy is expressed through the rictus grin of the most airheaded people, and the 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 other party, which is you know, the, the, so this guy, the, the aspirant, the one who's trying to get in, uh, get in with Berlusconi, uh, basically hires all these models Sergio. to hang around. His name's Sergio. Sergio. Yeah, to hang around with all these models. Uh, to attract Berlusconi's attention. And there it's like you're partying, but you're partying on command just to, and you're keep glancing over. Is Silvio watching? Has Silvio paid attention to us yet? So, you know, it's always done through this, um, I don't know, through this, through this striving, through this attempt at get, capturing someone's attention, it's not just pure uh, hedonism focused on on yourself. It's uh, there's something else there. So, you know, I I think, mm. in, and in that regard, it's like La Grande Bellezza, which is a, a movie just completely filled with decadent party scenes of quite of, and here kind of an older crowd of older Romans in an old Rome just kind of living out the kind of last days in the sunset without any sense of future, and I think that's. Maybe something that we can discuss now, but I, I, that this notion of a, of a time without a future for me comes across quite strongly in the film. But I think before that, I wanted to maybe discuss a little bit more specifically how Berlusconi is portrayed, what kind of uh, political figure uh, comes across from from the mm-hmm. portrayal in this film. Yeah, so I think there's one there's one scene in particular which I thought was it's worth watching the film just for that scene alone um, is. When he's feeling downcast about his political prospects as he's locked out of power, and he's even unsure, he's talking to his various um, collaborators and um, attendants, and he's even unsure as to what really motivates him and his need for some kind of purpose and um, project. But then there's this incredible scene where he goes through. I think he goes through. He random woman pretending to be um, that he's selling an apartment uh, a new apartment complex and it's an incredible scene and because he's feeling downbeat he's trying to um, he's trying to recover something of himself and it's going back and it's the job that he had before he became long before he became um, an, a media billionaire and eventually politician was that he used to sell these apartment blocks and apartment complexes. And so he tries to kind of re his lost glory. And so compelling about it is, so it's this, it shows you the two people. So it's him, Berlusconi, trying to sell a non-existent, pretending to be an estate agent, selling a non-existent um, apartment in a fantastic new luxury block to an old um, pensioner who's sitting watching TV on her own in her flat. And it's there that you see what his um, what his skill was, and not only that it was his skill, but also that it made him feel um, alive. I guess was selling dreams to people because mm. he goes through this whole rigmarole of um, mm. you know he kind of explains how wonderful the flat is. He explains how she'll be able to leave something to her family, 
how when her family come to visit and initially the woman's very skeptical you know she kind of um she wants to hang up but she's too polite so she keeps on listening and gradually he draws her in and he keys into her that she's still got hopes and aspirations but there's and so a great kind of yeah, there's a great line yeah. just where where she uh, where she asks, "Well, how do you know so much about me?" And of course, he's just doing a salesman shtick and and you know yeah. having a, having a, having the right feel yeah. for what this type of woman yeah. would be, what her concerns yeah. and dreams would be. And she goes, "How do you know so much about me?" He goes, "I know the script of life," <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is a fantastic line. Um, it's a great line. And you, and you, you I see, think it's you see, uh, you, you it, see it's his also such a, in that yeah, moment. it's it's such a great shot. Um, a great. Uh, such a well-constructed scene as well because you see before he does it the camera pans across all these telephone directories that he's got on his on his on his book bookcase and then you see like his face and he's really he's really sad sad kind of sad boy like oh and then he just lights up as he's getting into this conversation with her and he's starting to paint this picture not just to her but to him and since it's done on the phone he doesn't really have to um, have this transformation in the way that he the way that he looks, but you you see it there as the the viewer that like oh maybe this is maybe he's a salesman above all maybe this is really he's just taken yeah. from the from from this context into a what onto a wider canvas and that's what's really animated him is he wants to sell the Italian people and an off an off plan dream um, yeah. that, that hasn't been built yet and then but it's can, very can build it together. It's... But, yeah, yeah, it's very, but it's very, um, you know, it's very, uh, I mean, it's all bogus. I mean, I guess that's the point. Ultimately, it's all bogus. It doesn't exist. But it's not sinister. You know, like, um, you know, she's a lonely old lady who's kind of ignored by her family seems to be the kind of... Um, yeah, her husband's, seems to be left the, her for, her, her husband's left her for a younger woman, for a 24-year-old. Yeah, which yeah. he guesses. He guesses that yeah. she, her husband has left her. He guesses the family, the kids don't visit enough. He guesses that she, um, you know, she wants somebody to pay attention to her. Um, but also it's on him as well. Like he wants to be he wants to be the person who um, who delivers improvement in her life. And he's kidding himself there as well, because he's he's not going to he's not a salesman. He's got nothing to sell. Well, so, so um, this is so he's supposed to be a politician. And he's so got nothing it, to sell except himself, which is yeah. the it's, it's existential condition in which all salespeople are put. Right, and this ties in. So we see, we see this earlier. Different scene yeah. with the um, with the there's a so during Berlusconi's when he comes back to power in the film, there's the famous or infamous earthquake. Um, what was Lacula. the town it happened in? Lacula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a very there's a devastating earthquake, and Berlusconi became very personally committed to um, helping to rebuild and pulling push, putting all the people whose lives whose livelihoods. Um, and homes were destroyed in the earthquake into fancy new kind of apartment blocks and so on. And he becomes very personally invested in this. Um, and so it ties into that as well. His um, he's selling. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 kind of weird for anybody who hasn't who hasn't seen the the film. You have this closing scene where you see all these these five these um, kind of rescue workers um, who just kind of have uh, done this rescue in in this earthquake shaken town, which was in was in two thousand back in two thousand and nine. And it's like, why? Why have you suddenly changed registers to this really? Because mm. um, it's Italy. It's the ruins yeah. of Italy, and they're it's trying to rescue something. Because they're, tra- well, the they're trying scene, to rescue a, a Jesus, a, you know, a, a, yeah, a historic re- statue, re- this him, yeah. beautiful marble statue of Jesus. They're trying to make sure they're pulling it off the ruins of a church, trying to rescue it. Um, and it's incredible. I thought it was, um, I mean, a bit maybe heavy-handed. I guess you know, Jesus is meant to symbolize Italy in that, um, in that. 
visual <laughs> metaphor. But it was um, it was really effect- I thought it was still affecting at the same time the kind of the um, the delicacy with which uh, they do it and the beauty also the beauty of the statue which you know we presume I guess is a Renaissance some kind of wonderful Renaissance masterpiece in an in an old church. Yeah. But Berlusconi's like he's he's nowhere to be seen in that specific rescue. Well, I think that was this, the point. Right? Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So I think this. So you could accuse the film of being quite sentimental and in at a number of points and quite um, and maybe a bit too easy on Berlusconi in a number of ways. But uh, it certainly is quite affecting that that well, last scene. Even but the selling, I really, I, really I love Berlusconi push... now. No, but no, I really, I really want to push the selling scene though because I think it's. Um, I want to put think... Berlusconi on t-shirts and and sell <laughs> on t-shirts to people and on so put his face all over social media. If yeah. you, I mean, the scene with like the scene where he's selling the non-existent apartment block to this woman he's just dialed randomly in the directory, I think that captures all of his. It makes it entirely, you know. I mean, there were so many people who said, um, you know, Berlusconi's reviving some kind of postmodern fascism, um, all of this kind of crap. And I think that one scene where he's selling the non-existent apartment block, I think that incredibly powerfully conveys what the core of his appeal was right so here's and i wanted to talk about the 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 salesmanship aspect and his political salesmanship because we get this uh i guess foreshadowed it at the beginning of the film or towards the towards the early part of it where one he has a conversation with uh one of his uh consigliere or or i think he might be a, a, a business associate i can't recall now but uh he says, uh, he, Berlusconi says, you can't just go on TV and say the average Italian has a mental capacity of a seventh grader and not even one of the smart ones. And then the person responds, but, but isn't it true? And he says, yes, but you don't, you, you, but you think it, you don't say it. So there's already that kind of, you know, that treating people like, uh, like gullible idiots to be sold to. So it's already a, a more critical lens on it, however much, um, it becomes, a, however much the, the ending is sentimentalized. Um, and there's another scene where he, but where it's he, a fantasy, I guess. The, the critical, but the critical aspect is, is, it's a he buys into his own fantasy. Right. No, no. This is and important. That's where he. No, no. And this is it. Hang on. Down. So, so it's going to come on to that because uh, there's another scene shortly after where uh, he's in the in the gardens with his grandson and he steps in shit and mm. the son's like, oh, you just stepped in shit, and he's like, no, no, no. This is this is dirt which the the, the gardeners pulled up and blah 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 blah. And then he tells the son, so what have you learned here? He's like, well, no, that that the that the earth is actually that the what looks like shit is actually earth. He's like, no, 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 no. It's that it looks like. Sh- it's that I've told you that it looks like shit, but it isn't shit. What really matters is the tone of your voice when you're telling someone. Anyway, so it's just the the notion that uh, if you if you believe in it and and you're you're convincing yeah. in your in your in your salesmanship that uh, that people will buy it. Um, so that's already put out fairly fairly explicitly. I mean, I think it's actually almost a little bit too um, too obvious that scene in terms of what it's trying to say about Berlusconi, the salesman. Um, but as you guys have said, uh, that becomes a little bit more complicated as as it goes on. I wanted to 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 also reference another aspect, which is the the kind of the sadder aspect, right? That Berlusconi twice in the film by women gets called pathetic, which is which is interesting because you know he's this consummate salesperson, extremely successful, etc. Uh, and you can be completely cynical about his politics, and and obviously one should be extremely critical about uh, the the type of politics that he sells and represents. But uh, there's also this kind of pathetic side to it. I don't know. Did, did you guys? What do you guys think about this? Because George, you referenced it that even you know the party scenes are there's something a little bit pathetic about them. Mm. Yeah, the, the pathetic though with Berlusconi. So the ones in the villa, 
the ones by the entrepreneur, the um, Sergio, who's rented the villa next to Berlusconi. I don't think they're pathetic. I mean, they're, they might be ultimately empty, but they're not pathetic. While the Bunga Bunga party um, is pathetic, um, where he gets rejected by, you know, the women are kind of left hanging around. They're very excited, but it's a bit anticlimactic. They're all given jewelry at the end of the evening. Um, but at the end of the evening, he's kind of drifted off somewhere else. He gets turned down by the woman who's, what, like 40 years younger than him or something. You know, she's like yeah. in her early 20s. Um, and it's all just a bit kind of uh, pathetic. And um, and there he's kind of exposed and he knows it as well. I think it's 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 quite surprising that that um, you end up feeling any sort of sympathy for Berlusconi. But that's, I think, it's deliberate from Sorrentino. He, he, he almost is wanting to say like oh i'm i i can make you feel sympathy for this um completely base corrupt like venal arsehole and i and i would and any kind of he he constructs it in a way that you think oh yeah he's just a man like everybody else he's got his foibles he's got his you know he's just got his insecurities but no actually take a step back and this is somebody who dylan moran i think one of the best descriptions of berlusconi said he was so thoroughly corrupt that every time he smiles an angel gets gonorrhea which i think is a pretty good lie but you but you sort of say oh well yeah he's just a guy who's who's a who's he's aware of his mortality aren't we all he's aging you know he just wants to be relevant and, and with it and you actually end up feeling in some ways on his side that he's just trying to capture his youth and he just wants, you know, he just wants something he can believe in. And that's that has to be himself. Well, and so I think, I also, think it's quite deliberate that Sorrentino is trying yeah, to make absolutely. you. He's like, oh, look, I'm such a good director that I can even make you feel sympathy with this. So hang on, hang on. No, he's not. He's not flaunting his skill. I don't think it comes across like that. He's trying to penetrate, I think, to what was the um, the public kind of power of Berlusconi and to tie that into something about his individuality. And I think that's what and I think um, to that extent, you know, he succeeds because Berlusconi desperately wants to be liked. And that comes across really strongly. But he there's really another, there's another, there's another aspect. And this, of this is why he sells fantasy. There's another aspect of this as well that he he's confronted by his wife, um, where you know she's accusing him of all sorts of also being of, of being corrupt and whatever, and asks him, "How did you actually make your money? How did you get your start? No, you yeah. inherited far more than you than you let on. You actually inherited billions of lira rather than a, hundred, a couple of hundred thousand, da da da, etc." Um, but then. He, he Berlusconi reveals that oh, I do what all businessmen do. What do you think? I'm the only businessman who does this? No, we all do this, and I think that's quite good because he, and here he is very much like uh, the person who probably best inherits uh, Berlusconi's role in politics, which is to say Donald Trump, where he, you know he pulls down the mask on the establishment. Of course, he reveals himself as well, but he, in doing so, he's showing everyone's corrupt. But Berlusconi, Berlusconi is honest. Berlusconi says you can go out and enjoy yourself. We don't need any phony moralizing, whereas all the other ones are hypocrites and they mm. they moralize and they disguise their corruption. No, we we are all corrupt. We're all trash. Just go and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's what Berlusconi sells. True. But there is there yeah, is a it's... difference with Donald Trump, I think, which is important, which is that he um, he isn't cruel. He doesn't have the kind of uh, cruelty or petty viciousness. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Let's, let's, come, let's come on to that actually to, towards the end to, to make some comparisons. But um, but I I, I had, a, I had a, uh, yeah a, a point here. I mean, it's I I know what you're I know what you're saying, but it's hardly kind of the chapter on primitive accumulation. He's not really <laughs> saying here's 
is it? He's just saying like, oh, yeah. Such a terrible, explain terrible that. Explain that because I, I don't even that. get that. No, I don't get it either. What are you yes, saying you with your big pointy head? It's the it's chapter it's the chapter from the first volume of Capital, maybe chapter thirty three. I can't remember off the top of my head. Way to <laughs> lower the tone. Go on, go go on. Way to lower the tone. Where, where, where Marx talks about the, the basically the origin of all of all capitalists is in the fact that their ancestors primitively accumulated, i.e., just no, stole. That's not, yeah. that's but not I, don't, I don't. I don't think this is it what is. it's saying. No, it's not what it's saying at all. Well, this is this is this is my reading of of well, of it's an incorrect through the lens. No, because of, he inherited. The whole point is that he inherited. It's not that he that he stole in a naked way that he just expropriated yeah. uh, land or whatever. I think it's a loan, is it? It's a mysterious loan. That <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. The exactly. suggestion is that there is that there is some kind of uh, mafia connection. Essentially, was the kind of insinuation there. I thought so. But, I mean, the uh, other. But back- actually, I, actually, my, my my point was before I got rudely derailed um, by the two of you was, um, in fact, I think you can make this. You can make the claim that that this is part of Berlusconi's charm. That he he is he is a very much a post moral politician mm-hmm. so he's the fact that the, the the rules of morality and and um propriety and civility that apply to all these other politicians don't apply to him he rises above it he is this kind of ubermensch of of of, of some sort this is this is you know people like that because he he shows look if you have enough brio and if you have enough verve you can you can dodge these rules and you can actually kind of you can you can make it um yeah. And you don't have to be hamstrung by these by this kind of very cold, um, rigid system of bourgeois morality. I mean that. I read that. that I mean, I read that scene slightly differently because. So the um. Go back. The, go back to Capital Volume One. Consult it. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. The um. The. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Let me say what I was going to say. The another backstory to the film, and maybe the only other plot that it has, is that it's um, in addition to the protagonist Sergio trying to kind of insinuate himself into Berlusconi's circle, is that Berlusconi's relationship with his wife is disintegrating. Um, not least because he's doing all these kind of trashy, sleazy um, hunting around for uh, younger women. But in that kind of denouement where she confronts him, my reading of it was that she's bait, and this was heavy-handed again by Sorrentino was she was basically standing for Italy. Um, you know, she kind of levels all these charges against him about his sleaziness, his corruption. You know, he kind of um, changes flights. He's supposed to be going to a UN conference in New York, but goes instead to kind of perv over some 16-year-old's birthday party by gracing her with his presence. Um, so she lays all these charges against him and he throws them back at her and says, well, why are you here then? You enjoyed my money. You enjoyed the ride. You know, why are you here? And she says, oh, well, I fell in love with you. And, he, and so it's kind of, you know, I thought mm. there was kind of a heavy handed way of talking about um, how Italians, ordinary Italians fell for him, despite knowing kind of uh, being able to see through all the sleaze. So, so I okay. it was a bit heavy handed. Oh, well, I don't think it was heavy handed because I think there's something else in exactly that scene, which I thought captured a lot. And probably in some ways, that's probably the that's probably the dramatic climax of the film in some ways. Uh, he he accuses uh, so Veronica calls him pathetic, right? His wife calls him pathetic. Um, call, you know, for being puerile, for being only focused on himself. Yes, you say you want to help Italy, but actually, you know, you're just pleasing yourself. It's the second time, as I say, that he's accused of being pathetic and of being a child because the twenty year old that uh, you referred to earlier that he's trying to hit on, who actually is the only one to really reject him. 
uh, says, you know, this is this whole thing is pathetic. You're 70, I'm 20. This is this is, and you and you're sitting there cross-legged to make yourself seem young. You know th- how absurd. So she kind of sees through that. But interestingly, he accuses Veronica then. Ah, you just think life is full of is is painful and full of responsibilities, right? So the contrast is there. Berlusconi sells a vision of uh, of an easy, successful mm. life where you can do what you want, a post-moral life, and you you maybe old version of Italy is seasonally full of pain and suffering and one which is full of responsibilities things that you and duties and we're and i'm alleviating you of your duties this to to, just to build my case a bit more there's a there's an earlier scene where uh, berlusconi laughs at the fact haha look at all these people who have written books about me they're all writing books of uh, about me critiquing me and they just don't get it the left don't get it they all think it's so complicated then his consigliere replies, ah, because you have the, what you offer is, is you a brook in you know, a little stream. You have, and what you basically, you, what you offer people is the freshness of a book, of a brook, excuse me, uh, streaming through. With the suggestion, I guess, that you're kind of liberating people from their worries. You're bringing novelty and freshness um, to s- sweep away all the cobwebs of, of a, of a, of a, old Italy which is holding you down and you can go out and you know again it's I think the point that George makes is completely correct that he's a post-moral politician and that the left is there moralizing critiquing making you know talking about duties and responsibilities and no it's way more simple than that I just offer people the liberty to enjoy themselves and I, I think, think that- um, I think Berlusconi should probably go and read his Bob Jessup and work and really work out how complicated things are i can't believe you said that george like he, that's like so much worse than quoting fucking volume one oh. uh, what what i'm getting really well you're gonna have to unfairly... george you're gonna have to explain will... you're gonna have to explain your reference that... again no uh, we're gonna have I, to edit, I, I have a, gonna have have to edit a, this I have, out afterwards no, i have a long-standing point that okay, the the, <laughs> the the left does does over over complexify things and essentially no, and no 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 go go on go on i know I, I agree with this as well i think go on I am just, uh, you know, a simple, straight-thinking, straight-talking guy, and I just want simple political explanations. I don't want, you know, all this highfalutin state theory. Just w- <laughs> want some material analysis. Okay, that point was that's, crap. That's not. That's what. That's what. That's what I'm after. Um, No, I think I think it's it, the left never really managed to get a handle on. You can edit that last bit out, and I'll just stop no, no, there. no. But I think why well, it, it never never really managed to get a handle on Berlusconi and successful. I think if you're if you're trying to critique him morally, then you're already playing into his game where he can escape and rise above that and and give a kind of a bit of a wink to the camera and say. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I am, I am, yeah. no, I'm, I'm so contrite. Oh, but also, you know, I got away with it again. So, I think that that mode of politics um, definitely plays to two two figures like like him, who who he's self, but he's self-deprecating as well, and that's what um, they weren't. So they were never able to puncture um, any kind of pretensions because he already builds the criticism in mm-hmm. through his self-deprecating manner. And because he appealed to ordinary Italians, there wasn't any, um, I mean, this is Zizek's famous point, there isn't any um, remote kind of distant patriarchal um, mystique to his power. 
He's very, it's very, even though he's spectacularly wealthy, he's because of his kind of cheap, you know, he's like your kind of, um, your slightly crass, embarrassing uncle at the dinner table. His silly jokes, his stupid jokes, he's kind of lovable, but, you know, annoying and at the same time. And so he played very well with ordinary Italians and also who were kind of, I guess, I mean, the other subtext, I guess, is they're exhausted by the, um, by the kind of arch, um, arid intellectualism of the Gramscian Italian left that was so dominated by the Sardinian hunchback for so many years and that Berlusconi kind of allowed them to enjoy themselves a bit. So I'll see your Zizek point and I'll raise you a, a, Sl- a Sloterdijk one. So it's, it is almost like the critique of cynical reason where if you uh, and, and this this is basically the idea that if you say oh I'm, I'm, I'm this advert is selling you this product then you can't really perform ideology critique because already in in the, the the precepts of that advert is the idea that you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to sell a product, and so with Berlusconi it is a little bit like that because he's already saying like yeah I I recognise the rules of this of this of this game and so if you if you try and critique him in a moral way he'll already be like, he can say well yeah I've already basically because I'm self-deprecating I've already said that. I people already know that what is the point that you're trying to make you can't if you if you are engaged in that kind of critique it doesn't make sense so the moral yeah. realm is never going to work with a politician like like um Berlusconi and not to, to kind of preempt the discussion but it's never going to work with a politician like Trump because he's already you know he's, he's already all over that that um that sphere and you can't really land a, an effective blow there well, so so then this does we, we've we've set up a question that then we should at least attempt to answer, which is then how sh- because the left never was able to really get a grasp on him, how should it have responded? Because you know he he he's basically selling uh, some vision of of a life, uh, p- telling the left responding, ah no, but you know he he acts like an everyman, but look he's super wealthy and you're not, and of course that never worked, and and it, a lot of the American left has faced this with Trump, and actually it. It, it it faced this uh it faced this as well even with George W Bush trying to say he plays this everyman game but actually he's very powerful and wealthy that doesn't mm. work why and and then and consequently what what uh, what is the right answer well i mean if if we had a completely straightforward answer it would make things too easy but i think any sort of personality um uh critique is going to be unsuccessful because it then plays into the into the realm of authority that that politician has anyway. So it's it, it, the more that you try and say, oh, their charisma is false, you're just pointing to their charisma and you're just saying, or you're just saying, you, you're basically having the arguments on a, on a terrain that, that make a lot of sense for them. Of course, the, the correct way should have been through, through um, universalist claims of various sorts and through, through class politics rather than saying, oh, Berlusconi is, is corrupt. That, of course, well, some people would say that that's a form of anti-politics. Well, or maybe, um, or maybe, or maybe even saying that rather than turning around to the Italian people saying uh, Berlusconi plays to your worst instincts, your your what you want is not the right thing to want. Uh, yeah. It's instead saying no, Berlusconi right. yeah. cannot deliver yeah. what you want. That's precisely the problem. That it's it's, it's all mirage. And that comes and that that's clear in the movie as well because he's selling something which he doesn't have. Even though he's fabulously wealthy, he's not actually a salesman for. Um, the apartment complex he's trying to sell to that poor kind of lonely pensioner. Um, and so they both buy into a fantasy which is completely empty. Um, 
I mean, all that said, so I think it's still, I think Il Divo is still a better film yeah. and a better kind of, um, it captures uh, Italy of um, the era of the Red Brigades and kind of quasi-civil war um, better than, better than, um, better than Loro captures the Berlusconi era, I think. Um, but it's still worth seeing and particularly for some set piece scenes, I think, which are tremendous. Well, I think interestingly, so, the thing about because the 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 Il Divo depicts an Italy before the fall of the First Republic, it, it before uh, Mani Pulite had brought down the whole establishment. In some ways, you know, maybe it was easier to depict politics in the same way that it was easier to analyze politics at a time um, before before post politics put a put this ideological blanket over everything. I think that you know there was still a much more traditionally understood left versus right battle, and maybe that makes it easier to really get a grip on what is actually going on. Whereas in a world in which uh, you know of, of the kind of post Cold War period where you have a where you have a left which is uh, rapidly declining, uh, a working class which is decomposing. Uh, and which certainly isn't um, certainly isn't mobilized. You don't really have a kind of class politics to make sense of the world, and and things then become become a lot more smoke and mirrors than they were before. And maybe that's what makes it difficult both to analyze as well yeah. as to actually depict cinematically. Yeah, I I, I, I never think, realized I, right. I never realized that decomposing means the process of decomposition, but also like the the, the body rotting. rotting. Yeah, <laughs> so. That's that's quite a, quite a vivid metaphor for the for the for working class. I mean, I guess there's a there's a, that that kind of raises the question of like where Ber- Berlusconi sits in any sort of periodization that you might put forward of, I guess, modern or contemporary politics. Because there is one sense in which he's like even at the time he's he's not ahead, he's both ahead of his time and also behind his time in in a weird way. So he's kind of this like in some ways the last great TV politician. Just before there's an era of like of digital politicians and 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 various sort of digital parties, such as no, it's a good point. Gabaldo, mm. and so he does seem quite like he's got this weird like modernist. No, not modernist. Like it's pre Twitter. Kind of, yeah, he's got this weird kind of drive to the future. Things will get better. Let's look forward. But also, he is like the old antiquated, like the old uncle at the oh, what, what's the idea of the the big barbecue uncle? Yeah. Is that the well, we're, we live in the age. We live in the age of the embarrassing uncle. I mean, you know, yes. Berlus, uh, Bolsonaro, who is far more to the right than than Berlusconi was, is also does the embarrassing uncle thing of just telling the the crassest possible joke and going, <laughs> and you have other people who kind of laugh along with it, and it's just crass he's, and embarrassing. He's, but he, he's vicious, though, you know, like in a way that I think wasn't really part of Berlusconi. So right. Berlusconi would crack the kind of off color jokes he made, you know. He says like rude things about Angela Merkel, which are also very funny. He made the stupid joke about Obama having a good suntan. Um, you know, like they're kind of uh, they're ridiculous, but they're not. It's not as you know. I mean, um, Bolsonaro yeah, is it's, it's uh, much more vicious. He scowls. He scowls. He's vicious and he's cruel. Um, Whereas Berlusconi smiles. At least in his public way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas Berlusconi smiles. And so he so he does come across as a bit kind of you know a bit out. Hey, like, oh, things have moved forward, some of these norms, but oh, I, I kind of don't really get it. And I'm going to make a joke. And I know I shouldn't, but I'm, you know, I'm a bit naughty, so I'm going to do it anyway. And I think that is, you know, I think there's, there's a good point appeal. there. 
There's a good point there because he uh, oh, he that also shocked. no well that <laughs> that also plays to the that also plays to certain Italians who might also feel maybe not entirely at home with this new world of technology that has emerged, right? That that Berlusco- that that is a lot of Italy is visibly very old. Um, Berlusconi promises modernity. He promises uh, a, a Europeanized Italy as well. Um, Italy moving into the future, kind of getting rid of its old bureaucratic and, and hidebound past, while at the same time also being a man who doesn't entirely fit in with this novelty, I guess, perhaps, because he's a bit of an old codger. I mean, he's like 60, 70 years old as he's in power. So maybe there's a, there's a point there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one, the only thing that you can say with absolute certainty is that, you know, speaking in 2019, Berlusconi's done, right? He's never... He's never coming back. We've seen, we've well, he, seen the last no. of him. Wait, at the beginning, at the beginning no, of the year. No, that's not true. Well, right? he said he's coming back, but he, he's, he, um, I sent you guys this, this article earlier. And uh, he, you know, he says, this was from a news article from January saying, I'm, I'm, I'm making a comeback. And he says, I, I think Italy needs to return to a more liberal Catholic politics, which is just crazy. Yeah. And, and actually, in some ways, uh, Berlusconi, represents in his own way neoliberal order breakdown syndrome by not recognizing the role that he played yeah. in bringing down yeah. the order yeah. that he's trying to reconstruct. And not realizing his time is up as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's over. Like, I mean, Berlusconiism is over. You know, that um, Trumpism is the game now. And he belongs to a different era, in fact. Okay, maybe maybe, um, maybe yeah. as a means of so, wrapping up, we should tease out what the differences we think uh, are between Trump and Berlusconi. Yeah, good, good question. I mean, so Berlusconi is Italian and Trump's American. Let's just start. Let's start from first, first principles. Why are you guys sighing so loudly? I've got an extra sensitive mic just to pick um, up the sighs. Okay, fine. Um, I, I okay. So here's 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 a start of what I was actually going to say before I said that extremely stupid thing was um, imagine a um a uh, a biopic of of trump with a similar made by made by a director with with similar inclinations um aesthetically the politics that would be poured into it would make it i think probably unwatchable um it would be so moralizing and heavy-handed mm. and it would try to make some drama out of his winning the 2016 presidential election or some of the various kind of um it depends scandals. when it would be made but also like i mean if it was a director as skilled as um as um sorrentino sorrentino is then i think it might do well to capture um something about trumpism so we said wolf of wall street imagine at this particular era it might do it very well right but um, imagine a wolf think... of wall street imagine a wolf of wall street style film where uh, Trump is a protagonist. You know that would be then the accused of would be, the, the parties, the right? Parties but but it would be fun. but it would be, <laughs> be way less fun. It would be accused of uh, it would be accused of glorifying Trump and of of uh, but but also of uh, making a spectacle of of the spectacle. I guess I think the, I mean so I think Trump different. is more explicitly nationalistic. I think you know so both of them have very kind of self consciously cultivated media personalities that are already self-deprecating trump as we've mentioned already is kind of more um he's more kind of explicitly vicious and cruel in his petty vendettas and in the way in which he kind of identifies um certain groups to pick on i think 
Um, but it's also more about kind of a resurgent nationalism, whereas Forza Italia was, um, I mean, that's the other thing as well, right? Trump came in through the Republican Party and he's made it his own, whereas um, Berlusconi was an outsider to the old established order of the Christian Democrats and the Socialists. And he inherited, in fact, famously more from the Socialists, right? Mm. As famously, as Perry Anderson pointed out, he was the heir of Craxi rather than the heir of Andreotti. Um, so he came from a different kind of, um, he broke through in a different tradition, but also had to create his own completely artificial postmodern political machine, Forza Italia. So well, I think I, those are important differences. Yeah. And it was also based on Europeanization. He's yeah. very much part of kind of transnational, supranational neoliberalism of the era. Whereas, um, Trump, I think is much more decisively a break with that era. Yeah, I, th I think there's there's another dimension as well. If you try and compare their aesthetic sensibilities, um, so Trump is a Trump is a is a poet. If you if you go to his Twitter feed, you can see his his that's that's a, a, a medium through which he excels. I mean, like or dislike his politics, you have to hand it to him. He's a good tweeter, um, and his <laughs> and and well, Berlusconi is a is a dreamer. So you have a difference between the 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 poet and the dreamer and Berlusconi Berlusconi looks looks forward to the future he is he is and that's that's where that's where his dreams are oriented he you know he has one foot in the past and one one foot in the future make America Trump, great again I mean come on Trump, why, why, how Trump, is that not the same thing Trump on the other hand is continually looking backwards he's blown forward by the the winds of of progress but he is looking um looking backwards with his with his um, reactionary populism, which is which is a reaction to uh, progressive neoliberalism. So I guess that would probably, in my view, have to, to come through in any in any comparison between the two. Is that they are, in terms of being as aesthetics beings, they're very different. I've got I've got nothing to say to that, and maybe that should be a, a point to, to wrap up on. Um, all right, uh, I just, the conversation I'm glad. Such... I'm glad it wasn't anything to do with Bob Jessup or um, anybody else. Anyway. All right, all right, all right. So, okay, yeah, we are going to leave this here. We hope you've uh, enjoyed listening to us talk about uh, Paolo Sorrentino's Loro and about Berlusconi, our uh, evil patron saint. So if you uh, enjoyed that, let us know. If you didn't, you can also let us know. Let us know if you'd like if you like these uh, culture episodes, if you think we should do more of them as well. Uh, thank you again for subscribing, whether you are uh, have signed up for illicit campaign finance, influence or full-blown kleptocracy of course very um influenced by our uh, by our guiding light mr silvio all right that's it catch you next time bye bye mm -hmm.